1: I hope you're all in a season of preparation for Christmas. I, I don't buy a lot of presents. I have an amazing wife who takes care of that. Everybody say amen. I laugh because people say, thank you for the car. I... <laughs> what, did I, what did I write in it? <laughs> so I just want to commend all of you. You've been doing some pretty amazing things in our community. Uh, with our four weeks of giving. It's gonna, it's gonna wrap up today. And uh, I just wanna let you know all of the uh, CAS and Safe Families children have been adopted, gifts have been purchased and delivered. Uh, it seems like many products have been coming in to support the hiatus house. Uh, money's been coming in for jams. So there's just a little bit left in our budget that I'm hoping to meet today with the Windsor Police Meals. So if you haven't had a chance to participate in that, today would be a really good day to do that. And uh, other than that, we've exceeded our hopes at this point. And most of you, um, maybe not all of you, may or may not, let's say, some of you, uh, may be aware or not that WCF, we we take the tithes that comes in each week and we sow out a portion of that, usually a a 10% or a tithe of it. We often go a little bit above that and we support different ministries, um, some of them locally, some of them nationally, and some of them globally. And and our desire is there's this last day harvest that's coming in there. So we want to have some seed all over the world. Exactly. And we want to participate in that. And we want to receive blessings because we sow out and we give in faith expecting. And uh, so, you know, we pray every year and we try to find ministries that are, are breaking up the ground and, and doing good work and, and winning souls and influencing people. So... Uh, from time to time, I like to highlight one of those ministries here at the church. So you'll see us have someone come up, or we'll play a video, or we'll, you know. And today, um, I wanted to introduce you all to an amazing young couple who are personally based here in Windsor at our church. And they have multiple works happening around our globe. So I asked them to present to you today some of what God's been doing in their ministry will go Please welcome Larry and Jean Johnson from Go Ministries, and they're going to give you an update on the Liberia outreach that they just came back from.
2: Glory to God. It's such a privilege to be here in front of all you folks that love the Lord. We just, and Pastor RJ, thank you for giving us this time to share what God has done in Liberia. You know, it's not easy to go during the pandemic. It, sometimes it's just easier to stay home and do nothing. But God spoke to our heart and said that we must go. We need to go. So the past two years have been very difficult for our partners and our Bible school teachers and students in Liberia. Two teachers died and three students passed away. So it's been very difficult for them. So we really felt like we needed to go and be their support. Even though the numbers in the Bible school are way down, we felt like we really needed to go to encourage them. Not only did we encourage them, but as usual, they encourage us. They have a praise and worship that is just awesome. And they dance and sing and dance and sing and and, dance uh, and sing some and more keep dancing yeah <laughs> but anyway there it's really fun to be there but our uh we started out in Kakata and that's uh our, our extension Bible school that we started that came from Nairobi and uh, so we were there and uh, they just wanted to quit because of the deaths and things that were going on but after fasting and prayer, they decided that they would continue. So with that, we really felt like we really, really needed to be there. So we just decided to go then. And uh, while we were there, we did uh, some, uh, what do you call it? Just
0: Well, it's a conference with breakout sessions. There you go. And we had sheets, acrostics. I don't know if you've ever done acrostics where you take a word put it in a line, and then you have to use the letter to uh, bring another word or scripture that means that word.
2: But we had 12 people that were graduating, and uh, we sent them out with the a Christique, and they came back and just really expounded on it. And so we called them the Magnificent Twelve that you'll see a little later in the video.
0: Hallelujah. You know, um, and in the video, too, you'll see Larry... Uh, wherever we go, we believe God for a prophetic word, and it's amazing that they called themselves the Light Class. And before we ever left, Larry got a word: you need to send them out with a light. And so you'll see him prophesying over each one of the students with with a flashlight. <laughs> but hallelujah!
2: And the Val Victorian of that class was actually a graduate from uh, Agriculture. And uh, he wants to set up a Bible school there in Kakata. He wants to set up a school there, Mm -hmm. and he wants to uh, have a clinic there to where they can minister health needs to the people there. So we're really excited about that. It's a village of about between 20 and 30 people that uh, can be reached through the Bible school there.
0: there are villages 20 or 30 villages around that area sure
2: that's exactly what i meant (laughs) 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 we always need a little help from a friend
0: (laughs) (laughs) so praise god Uh, we were very very happy and this uh, valedictorian before we came bought 46 acres of land to put his dream in in action, and so will go is all in. We're gonna be setting up farming and evangelists all throughout Liberia and Africa. Well, back to Monrovia, uh, that's the base for our Bible school. We had, again, the numbers cut in half, but it was a wonderful time. We, again, did conferences and outreaches, but perhaps the highlight for us, you know, we ask, what happens to a widow in Liberia? And the answer is, she relies on the church. Yeah. Well, we'll go continue to send some. <clears throat> we, we pay the pastors something to, to teach in our Bible school. We continue to send that support for them. So, of course, we wanted to see them. We didn't know. We knew that all the pastors also have a church, but we didn't know that they also have a church school, for kids that cannot get into other schools. And you say, why can't they? Well, if you're an orphan, things don't work the same for you. And so in Mrs. Che's school, 90% of the children are orphans. In Mrs. Paulson's, 75%. In the video, you will see one little girl, 14 years old, who's never walked. Mm -hmm. She scoots on her feet. Well, we have been doing feeding programs in Liberia and other nations for a long time. But we're extending our arms to include these two orphaned schools. So hallelujah. Well, we did have some exciting thing happen while we were in Liberia.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, We got to celebrate our many years of marriage. Uh, actually, fifty-eight, and uh, so, so the pastor over there they baked a the cake for us, and everybody got a bottle of Coke, and so we had a Coke cake.
0: We should have been on the advertisement for Coke. Everybody uh, with their Coke and a piece of cake. Hallelujah. But it was really
2: wonderful that uh, we were able to dance on the altar. I I took her hand and. Well, they were having some music for us and so that was kind of fun too.
0: <laughs> Hallelujah. We can't believe it ourselves. <laughs> we're still in love. Oh my gosh. Well,
2: oh. <laughs> gosh. I, I wanna tell you something. It it gets better every year. It Amen. really does.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: It really does. So
0: Hallelujah. Well, before Matt plays the video, we wanna share one last testimony. You know, there's a song that says, if I had to cross an ocean, I would do it for you. Mm -hmm. Well, because we love our Bible school teachers, they're not just employees to us. They're our friends. We worked with these men for 10 years, and then they just die. And they're only in their upper 40s and lower 50s. And we said, how? How? Did they die of COVID? They said, no, they died of high blood pressure. And we said, oh, my goodness, is there anything we can do? And the nurse practitioner in, in Pastor Nelson's church said, well, why don't we buy blood pressure cuffs for the churches? I will take blood pressures when I'm there, and I'll teach other people to do it too. And so we can monitor them and get them help before it's too late.
2: So we had to practice on ourselves. And we thought with the travel and everything, we, our blood pressure would be way out of the... Out of reach, but it wasn't. It was normal. But our uh, Lisa, Lisa, our one of our will go coordinators in the west, had high blood pressure, and I'll let Jean tell you what it was.
0: Well, having worked as a registered nurse for many years before we stepped into missions, I had never seen two hundred and five systolically over one hundred and four diastolically on a 53-year-old, not-overweight person. I literally, I literally was out of control. I screamed, Lisa, what is, what's going on here? What, why is your blood pressure like this? Because she was just sitting there with this, her usual cute little smile on her face. She said, it's always like that. I said, always like that? Aren't you under medical care for your blood pressure? She said, oh, yes, I've been on a blood pressure pill for two years.
2: But the doctor never asked for her history. She had a father that had a stroke and a sister. And a brother. And a brother that uh, had strokes. and Both died. It's important that your doctor knows your history.
0: So to make a long story short, we just prayed over her. We had this horrendous trip back. From Monrovia to Brussels to Frankfurt to us, Toronto, Lisa and Cam, her husband, Vancouver. We pray, God, keep them. And he is faithful. He did. And we can report today her doctor put her on a beta blocker and her blood pressure is not quite in normal range yet, but it's coming down. So thank you, Lord, what we thought... We were going to be a blessing. He turned around and was a huge blessing to us. Well, as you watch the video, it's only two and a half minutes. I know there's some people out here that God is saying, will you go? Hallelujah. Think about it.
1: We bless you.
2: goes forth and to- again thank you for your prayer support your finances and just like Lisa if you have a need let your request be made known to God because my God and your God will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus thank you again
0: hallelujah
1: I love these guys. In the middle of all the craziness in our world, they're in a country that was ravaged by a civil war. A lot of hurting people over there that you love and minister to. And you trained up some pastors to go and take the message of hope to others. I love that. It's funny. They're in a different season of life, but some of you would be afraid to go there. Thanks for sharing. <clears throat> so, today we're talking about the hope of glory. And the emphasis, I think, today we have to understand grace that comes to us from God is realized by the statement Christ in you. Okay? Brian and Patty read that for us earlier in Colossians 1. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And you know, it's a mystery of Christianity how Christ comes and dwells in us. Buddha never says, I'm going to dwell in you. Other religions, there's no in you. It's maybe I'll guide you, maybe I'll teach you, maybe I'll speak to you, but not I'm going to live within you. Max Delgado talks about this. Some of you know who that is. He's an author. He's talking about the Apostle Paul, and he said over 200 times in Paul's writing does he mention the indwelling. And he goes on and he says, we're always looking for Christ in us or with us or sometimes Christ ahead of us, but there's an identity piece that we got to get as believers, and that's Christ in us. And until you realize the power and have understanding of the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's because he's in us that we have the ability to face temptation, to overcome sin. It's not an external force that's being applied to our life. Christ is within us. And he puts his presence and his power within us. In John 14, I'm going to read in verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you, will be in you. So we know, we know from this that there's this indwelling that happens at salvation. Okay, so when you gave your life to Christ, the Spirit came and dwelled within you. And, and I want to I make sure that we get this and that we understand this because that's how he completes the work that he began inside of us. Philippians 1, right? Doesn't it talk about that in 5 and 6? It says, for you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Paul starts Philippians earlier, and he's talking about how Christ came, really, we belong to him. He came to save us, as we talked about. Then in this verse, he's talking about we have to go and tell others. That's what we talked about last week. Okay. And then he concludes with the completion of our salvation on the day that Jesus Christ returns. Are you seeing how this ties together? Christ saved you. He sent you out in the world to tell others the gospel, the message of hope, but he's working within you at the same time. He's he's gonna complete the work on the day he returns. And, And I wanna talk about this for a second with this indwelling, because especially for those of you that are a little bit newer, there's a difference between the indwelling at salvation and the subsequent experience of infilling. This is hotly debated and hugely misunderstood in churches. People fight about this all the time in Christian circles. It's not worth fighting over. Churches split over this in dwelling and filling. Okay? It should not be, but they do. Luke 18, you see the Pharisee praying and the sinner praying. Okay? And we have this situation that gets created where the Pharisee's kind of looking at the sinner and it creates this us and them. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not like him. Us. We're in them, they're not. Oh, we have the Holy Spirit, they don't. We have the revelation of Jesus, they don't. How many times in our life do we create situations about us and them? Good question. And when we create us and them, it creates division, right? Especially when we're the self-righteous and we're looking at the sinners. But you know... Many people are going to love me for this. It's usually your pride that puts you on the high moral ground. And that's why we look down on others. And usually that's in your own mind. Which leads perfectly into my next verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, 6 to 10. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self righteousness or self righteous pride, okay, so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Humility plus time equals exaltation. Hey, God, I was humble for five minutes. Why am I not exalted yet? That could take a lifetime sometimes too, at the appropriate time. Casting your cares, all your cares, your anxieties, your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now catch this, resist him. What are we supposed to do when the enemy comes around like a roaring lion? Resist. Keep resisting. Be firm in your faith against his attack. Rooted, established, and unmovable. Some of you, man, the enemy comes in and whispers in your ear and you're gone. See you in three months when you get your... It is sorted out. <laughs> That's not what it tells us to do. It says be rooted, be established, be immovable. Knowing the same experience of suffering or being experienced by your brothers and sisters in the world, you don't suffer alone. Sometimes you ever think, I'm the only one. No one's going through what I'm going through. You ever feel that way? Let's be real. A circumstance or situation, some of you are going through more than others, No question. Some people do go through some hard things sometimes. I have. But the people go through stuff. And after you suffer a while (laughs) No, that's kind of funny. What's a little a thousand years and a thousand years to What's a little while to God? (laughs) But after you suffered for a little God of all grace who imports his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. when we don't give up. Amen. When we don't abort the process. Actually, because Christ lives in you, we gotta get rid of time in the word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in when you're praying to listen to what the Spirit has to say to you have to resist so what do we resist? and after we've resisted what do we do we resist when the enemy comes victory over sin is in us we can win. if you don't know who you are in christ how are you going to own power and get communion um i remember there was a spirit that started manifesting and screaming it whoever's up here and, and I remember some of the big ushers ran over, tried to drag this lady out. And she just kind of tossed him off. And I remember I kind of got the nod, like, get him out of here, get her out of here. And I just walked up and said, let's go. And I escorted her out. And afterwards, the big guys were like, what'd you do? I said, it was an authority issue, not a strength issue. Ah. Amen. You when you know who you are in Christ, spirits are subject to him, Right. And and sometimes we try to battle in flesh and blood, things that we should war in the spirit. Uh Do you understand that? And and we're pulling out the wrong sword. And you're not going to get the result you want. And then I found this when I was looking into this. I thought it was really an interesting perspective here. Hope for the hopeless situation was even found in the Old Covenant. Now God visited people in the Old Covenant, but then he left. He went back. In the New Covenant, Christ doesn't go back. He lives within us. Do you see the difference? So he would come visit people, and then he would leave. Now, he comes to us, and he stays if you invite him in. In 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 8. And this is, one day Elijah went to the town of Shunem. There's a wealthy woman who lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Okay. Hey, good cook, food, I'm walking by, let's go eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp and then he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Okay, that's insightful of her to detect that it's a man of God. And then in her heart, she said, let's make provision for this man of God. Do you you understand? You catching this? She made provision for someone else who was doing what God told them to do. You know, my friends, Larry and Jean, they make provision for some of the pastors in Liberia to do what they're going to do to go and minister to the people. They equip them. They fund them. They help them. They assist them. They train them. Why? They're making provision for others so that they can go and be a blessing. Now watch. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem and he went to the supper room to rest and he said to his servant, Gehazi, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate your kind concern you've shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word to you, for you, to the king or to the commander of the army? (laughs) I guess he knows a few people. But Elisha was that prophet that kings would say, please come prophesy to me, give me the word of the Lord. I want to hear what you have to say. No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked again, or asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband's an old man that can create a problem. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the Roman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. Now I want you to catch this next statement. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. He identified what she needed. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son just as Elisha had said. Now, first, she recognized the man of God. She made provision for his needs. Her obedience to what God told her to do made a way for her dream to come to pass. If she wouldn't have listened to the Holy Spirit back in the old covenant speaking to her, to the Spirit of God speaking to her to take care of this man and to build a house, to build a room for him, he would have never been there. He would have never said, how can I meet your need? And she would have never had a son. Catching this? Obedience is really important. But interesting, if you keep reading a little bit further down, the boy that God gifted her with died as a young man. My head hurts. Boom, by noon he was dead. Now, Elisha, he actually resurrected him. His method was quite unorthodox. (laughs) Can you imagine a young man dies? No, no, I'm not saying I'm going to do this. and and I'm going to actually go somewhere, but but like, can I go to the funeral home and go lay on the person hand on hand, mouth on mouth, nose on nose, eyes on eyes? It's a pretty unorthodox method of resurrection, but hey, the boy came back to life. And I know I've heard 50 different lessons about the 50 different spiritual principles that are in that concept of why he had to resurrect him that way. We don't do that. You know, hey, Jesus, I like his method. Lazarus, come forth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stay with his method. Like, Elisha, great guy, but like, I don't know if I could do that. that rich, you know? But be slow to judge, because how many of you have resurrected the dead? So till you do, you can't even comment on what he did. Love it. But see, there's this confident hope that we have. You know, the, the, the Shimonite woman, she, she had some confident hope in the prophet's word. I mean, she was like, okay, please don't mess with my head. Don't tell me something to get my hope up when it's not going to happen, right? But, but obviously, she came into faith and agreed, and, and something must have happened. Because it doesn't record that there was two immaculate conceptions. Confident hope, Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul's addressing the Roman church. He's praying, right, that God will fill us with joy and peace because we trust him. And then he wants us to overflow with confident hope. Why? Through the power of the Holy Spirit because Christ is in us so we can have this confident hope. Derek Spade, I'm going to read a quote from him. He says, when you know that Christ is in you, even if you suffer, you don't despair. You find hope in the midst of your suffering. God in his sovereignty allows us to go through periods of suffering. Sometimes suffering is because of our sin. How many know sometimes you suffer because you made a bad choice? <laughs> Whoops. That's going to cost me, Right? Sometimes the suffering is because of your faithfulness to God. Wait, what? We don't have a theology for that. What do you mean I'm suffering because I'm obedient? What do you mean I'm suffering because I'm faithful? Uh, That's the truth of it, though. Sometimes you suffer because you're doing the right thing. It's a hard concept to understand for people. Always the suffering is intended to draw us closer to Christ and for God to be glorified through our endurance through your confident hope in Christ. No matter what you're going through, whether self-inflicted or others-inflicted, can you endure and can you look to Christ to be the one that delivers you? Can you put your hope in Him that He's gonna bring you through, that you're gonna walk through to the other side? You know, when you're in a situation that's messy and hopeless, that's the time we have to keep praying and resist the temptation to fall into what the enemy wants to tempt us with, Believing that God will see us through. We live in a culture where they call good evil and evil good. Okay? It can be difficult to take a stand for what is right because when you stand up for what is right, there's a lot of people that want to point and create the us in them. Oh, those Christians. Right? Those self-righteous Christians. We don't wanna come across as self-righteous, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ, and we can live a righteous life. And you know what? The culture doesn't determine what's right and wrong. The government doesn't get to determine what's right and wrong. Your employer doesn't get to determine what's right and wrong. Your friends don't get to determine what's right and wrong. There's one thing that determines what's right and wrong. It's the Word of God. God's the moral lawgiver. In fact, any atheist that wants to talk about what's morally right and what's morally wrong is a fool. I'm not even kidding because who determines what's right and wrong? If we get to determine it, what I think is right is going to be different than what you think is right. So who's right? What's right for me is not right for you. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Uh Uh-oh. Be patient in trouble. What does it say to do in trouble? Keep on praying. He starts with, we have confident hope. Then he says, you're going to have some trouble, so be patient. And then keep praying. Don't give up. Resist, 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 resist. Resist. Ephesians 4. But that, I'm going to read in verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there's this idea where we're changing our garments. There's this idea where We're learning the truth about Christ. It's changing the way that we live. We're all in this process. We're all at various degrees in the process. Some are newer. Some are more experienced. Some are struggling. Some are not. Some overcome more than others. Some struggle more than others. I'm not throwing stones at you. Please don't throw stones at me. We have to work out our own salvation. Right? We have to have our own salvation confident hope that Christ within us is gonna work it out and he's gonna complete the work that he began so that when he returns, we can actually arrive to the place he wants us to be. But until he returns, guess what? We're not quite gonna get to the place we want to be. You don't get to arrive in this life. You arrive in the next life. For some of you, that's frustrating. I want it now. We want everything in ten minutes. Remember, be patient in trouble. <laughs> but I want it now. Man, I have hard enough time driving across town sometimes. <laughs> I have hard enough time grocery shopping. You ever? You're, you're in the grocery store. And someone parks their cart right in front of where you want to be. And then they sit there for like 15 minutes trying to make a decision if they want it or not. Does that happen to anyone else or just me? God's trying to work something out in my heart, let me tell you. And then, and then the same person who did that while I was waiting... I went a little further down. I didn't even open the door to grab what I was going to grab. And she's like, excuse me, I just need to get in here. And she reaches in front of me and grabs it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it took everything within me not to let my elbow fly. Oh, I'm sorry. I even would have made it look like an accident. That's probably not good. How many know we have these challenges in the very simple things? How do we handle the more advanced things? 58 years together, I commend you. In this, 66 years together, goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 21. God help us all. Why don't you guys all stand with me? Just bow your heads for a second. Look within. Jesus came to earth to save us. Came to restore us to a relationship with Christ, Uh, with the Father. You know, Emmanuel, God with us, he came to be with us. He came to dwell in us. And maybe you aren't in relationship with God. Maybe he's not dwelling within you. Maybe you've never had an opportunity to meet him or invite him into your life. You know, the Bible says when we repent first and acknowledge our sinful ways, because we've all broken God's law. Shall we go through the 10 commandments? I guarantee there's a lot of lying, and murderers in here. You say, I've never killed anyone, but the Bible says if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. We've all broken God's law. We're all condemned without hope until Jesus came. But when we repent and we turn around and we allow God to come in, he'll change our heart. It doesn't mean that the struggle goes away, but he changes our heart. He restores us to a place or with him within us, we can actually start living as God wants us to. He gives us the power to resist temptation and to resist sin. And that doesn't mean it's not hard. And it doesn't mean we don't yield to it sometimes. It means that when you fall down, his grace is sufficient and you get back up. But if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to talk to you right after the service. I'd like you to come down here and, and I want to pray with you so we can invite Jesus into your life. And those of you that are in relationship with Christ, we're about to go to the table with the Lord's Supper, our covenant meal. You know, as we have the bread in our hand, it's representing his body, but you know, you need to look within. We want to make sure we have a pure heart. Set your gift aside, it says. Let's deal with our heart right now. Let it go, release it. Give it to God. And, and one of my favorite things that I heard about forgiveness, Brad Hambrick was the man who said it. He said, when we forgive, we return to God the right to judge. Because as long as you're trying to handle it in the flesh, God will say, okay, go ahead have at it. How's that working for you? But we have to trust him and it's really hard to do that sometimes make sure our hearts are in a good place. Father, I thank you for the bread. I thank you that in this season, as we're celebrating Jesus the hope of glory because you live within us, that you're empowering us to resist Satan, to overcome sin and temptation, and really we can take the hope within us and share it with others. Lord, every day we look for opportunities that we can love people and serve people. Every day we wanna be a blessing to others. I thank you that as we partake of the bread now, that healing is released in our bodies, and our minds, and our emotions are washed clean now in the name of Jesus. In the cup, the blood of the new covenant, there's a lot of power in the blood of Jesus because it purchased your freedom from sin but paid the sin debt, his pure blood, that you could never pay. So Father, thank you for Jesus who was willing to shed his blood for us on a cross, on a tree. He bore the judgment that I deserved. He took the punishment that was mine. It was me people just like me that put him on the cross. But you love humans. and You love humans so much you were willing to die for them. So Father, as you've released forgiveness to us, help us to release forgiveness towards others. We receive forgiveness, we give for- forgiveness. Let your grace be upon each one here as they endeavor to resist the enemy and live the Christian life and always We look to you, our confident hope of glory in Jesus' name. Have a very Merry Christmas.